My favorite story of the last few weeks was from your colleagues at the Wall Street Journal, uh, Shalini Ramachandran, and mm-hmm. I, I think I got it now. Dice K Wakabayashi. Did I, um, or did I, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> I just call him Die. Die. That's what somebody that's, told me. That's, that's his nickname right. here. Yeah, I mean that's so his name. they had a story that ran yesterday. I'm sure you saw it. That Al- yep, Apple's yep. quote hard charging negotiations with the TV networks. Uh, scrambled any sort of uh, attempt that Apple had to get. Like uh, what Apple more or less wanted was to charge people 30 bucks a month. Like I guess they would just, you know, just like they have Apple Music, they'd have Apple TV. You pay them $30 a month and you get a package of a bunch of channels and you can watch them whenever you want. <laughs> and there's a couple of things in this story that really amused me. I, I quoted both of them on Daring Fireball, but the one was that the Apple wouldn't show the, t- <laughs> the, the CEO of Comcast the user interface and he said how about you sketch it on the back of a napkin <laughs> and apple officials replied that the software yeah. would be quote better than anything you've ever had <laughs> which a wouldn't take much and b sounds a little it worries me it's a little <laughs> I, I it's typical apple but it sounds like donald trump the back of the napkin <laughs> no the it's going to be it's going to be better than anything you've ever had oh it's going to be, be yeah believe me it's going to be you have to preface that with believe me right Believe me. Uh, and then the <laughs> other tidbit that was great was that uh, when he met with Mr. Britt, the, CE, the Time Warner CEO, or to, no, Time Warner CEO Jeff Bukes and, uh, and some other guy named Britt. I don't know who he is. But big, big meeting with Time Warner. Eddie Q shows up, quote, 10 minutes late <laughs> and was wearing jeans, tennis shoes with no socks and a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt, says a person familiar with the, with the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> What I love about stories like this is like, obviously, there's so much reporting that goes into a piece like this. And it has to be, you know, everything has to be written straight faced. I mean, everything is like every line is combed over in a piece like this. But it's like you want to laugh and you can only imagine like what they were laughing, like what what the like sentiment was when they were writing something, something like this. But it's like that whole sentence and then somebody familiar with the matter. Right. It's just like, who was the tips? Who was the source right. or the tip on that? You know, uh, and I've always I've, I've long said that ever since I wanted to be a writer, I've always wanted to be a columnist. That's all I, all that I've ever aspired to be. I feel like you're probably in the same boat. And it's yep. I have I don't want to write straight news like that. Never did. But I have so much respect for the people who do for exactly what you just said is. <laughs> right, right. How do the you other write? the other executives were wearing suits. Yes. Period. <laughs> yes. I forgot to add that, which is essential to the story. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and it's funny that Dai is a really funny guy and uh, he's a great reporter. But um, yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's um, we also do these front page stories called a heads. Yes. Um, and many of those also like the reporting is just like straight face. But like, it's the funniest thing, you know, Dai's story. He, he did one on the Apple Watch and the nose, the, the nose interaction. I forget what it was, the, you know, that people use their nose mm-hmm. to navigate their their Apple Watch. And the whole story is like not it's it it's written in just like a a great tone that's just like what are you know this ridiculous thing that's happening. <laughs> there is a lot to unpack here, though. It's it's like uh, you know, like it, it's sort of like a there's like a nightmare you have where you, you show up for a thing and you're terribly underdressed or you didn't put pants on. You know that that's it's a trope. You know everybody has that sort of recurring dream. Uh, Eddie Q showing up for this meeting with jeans and a Hawaiian shirt and 
tennis shoes with no socks. Eddie Q was not embarrassed at all. Right, right. That's the thing. I mean, many readers probably don't know that. But, you know, people, Apple followers or people who have watched interviews with him or have gotten to meet with him, like both of us, we know that he didn't, he really didn't give a shit. Like he just got there and he was like, all right. Right. Um, (laughs) And part of it is Apple's own culture. Part of it is California culture. Um, Because I think that when yeah. Apple deals outside, it's not just the Valley, but when Apple deals with Hollywood, which is the Valley versus Southern California, the, you know, showing up for a meeting with jeans and sneakers is not a big deal. Right. Um, whereas New York media world is still very, you know, you wear a suit to a meeting with the CEO of Comcast or Time Warner. Yeah. Um, I mean, not me. Right. <laughs> I wear sandals, <laughs> but it, a Hawaiian shirt. It also brings to mind. I remember, and and I must have been like twelve years old. I don't. know. I mean, why was he not wearing socks though? That I is mean, a good. That is a good question. That's like gross. You know. <laughs> I mean, like I hate wearing shoes without socks. I mean, sometimes I have to do it because I forget my socks someplace, and like I have to get my shoes on. I don't know really when I have to do it. I just think it's gross. That is my only objection as well. Right. I mean, well, and he was photographed. Eddie was photographed at the courtside at the the basketball game at the Golden State game, and he was on the front page. He was wearing uh, sandals. Uh, sandals are good. Yeah, you know what? I don't like sandals. My thing about him wearing sandals to that basketball game, though, is that a lot of times soda gets spilled, and and you know, what I mean, like mm. I feel like, but maybe because when you're courtside, they there's like maybe like a there, yeah, no yeah. soda rule because no soda, yeah. no soda. So maybe it's okay. I don't know. Uh, I think that's uh, yeah, Eddie in we, particular pretty sure next time i meet with him i'll be asking about his feet and how he feels about you know <laughs> the sweat that happens when you wear sneakers without socks it's just there's there's sweat you know your feet sweat maybe he doesn't have shoes start feet. to smell maybe he everyone doesn't. does it, it happens uh, i wear toms i have these toms shoes i don't know if they i think they make male toms but toms are the same thing you're not supposed to wear them with socks but even that in there your feet sweat mm-hmm. um my f- I'm happy we had this conversation about this feet. <laughs> my feet are are <laughs> extremely. I I I I think half of my sweat glands are in my feet. I have very very sweaty feet. Right. Sometimes before I go to bed, my feet are so sweaty. I put my feet in the shower. Um, I've always a recurring theme. <laughs> it's a recurring theme on the show that I in the winter I you know I work at home. My feet get cold. I like to wear slippers. I have I have a hard time finding slippers that I like because I don't like open back slippers. They, they just go flying off your feet. I like to have the back. And so a couple of years ago, Amy uh, got me for Christmas. She got me a pair of Uggs slippers. I think yeah, they're yeah. Uggs. And, they, and they're real. There's like all this, uh, I don't know what it is, like wool or fake wool, but all, all this like fuzzy stuff on the inside. And you're supposed to wear them with no socks. And within tw- 24 that's a, hours. That's a dead animal. Within 24 is. hours, it was all coming out. <laughs> I had completely sweated through and destroyed them in about about a day and a half. Like um, my feet are not meant for something like that. But those are they're really comfortable. Uh, that's what she said. She and that's why she got them for me. And I had to agree right. that for like the few hours before my sweat started destroying them, I agreed. Uh, mm. Uh, hmm. But anyway, the whole gist of this story. Maybe this is what Apple, you know, the the on the earnings call, Tim Cook said how you know excited he is about products that are out of the box for them that they're working on. Maybe maybe sandals. Footwear. Maybe maybe yeah, footwear. Hmm. The whole point of this story, though, it would be fun. You know, like there's that <laughs> huge cult following around sneakers, right? <laughs> yes. It sort of feels like the same kind of people that follow Apple in a way. 
Yeah, I could see you that. You know, they line up for shoes, they line up for phones. I don't know, it's just a, just a thought here, but let's... You would like to move on from the sneakers, no. I feel. Well, and, you know, but I've noticed, you know, but people who keep, and they keep their sneakers like in pristine condition. Yeah. Like, man, they I, keep them, yeah. Uh, I saw. Uh, Sneakerheads, right? Yeah. I saw uh, last night I watched uh, Seth Meyers uh, late night uh, because it was like live after the, the Democratic convention and Colin Jost and Michael, Michael Che from Saturday Night Live were on to talk about it because they were there. And Che had on a pair of vintage Michael Jordan, Carolina blue air Jordans that were, mm. I was like, Whoa, those are, those are totally, you know, probably like super expensive. And of course they were mint condition. Yeah. See, I'm not a, I like, don't, I don't, I got, I, it sounds like very impressive, but I'm not a sneaker. I'm not a sneaker person. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I know enough about basketball shoes just because I used to right. follow basketball, but otherwise no. Anyway, the whole gist of the story was not about Eddie Q's sartorial choices. It was, about Apple's hard charging negotiations and that their their stance on this has blocked them from putting together the package, being able to offer the package they want to offer. And I think it's so transparent that the 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 cable companies are talking to the press and, you know, talking yeah. to the Wall Street Journal to try to press the matter and, and they're making it sound like Apple is being uh I don't know what the word is. Um arrogant arrogant, yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think the pompous, yeah, and I think the truth is Apple, Apple is the one that can afford to wait. They can wait forever. They can never offer a TV package, and they'll be okay. Right. Well, it seems like also there's there's things that Apple's asking for, like they won't be upping the rates of the of the shows. I guess that's a typical thing that happens. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're, I, they're certainly hardlining to to get this in their favor. Yeah, because it's... As Apple does. It's totally different worlds. Like, the cable world is a world where it's like, maybe when you sign up for cable, there's like a, a promotion where it's like, hey, for $89, exactly $89 a month, you get this internet and and this TV package. Um, but then once that promotion's over, the, you, your cable bill just starts going from like 89 to 93 to yeah. 96, 72 to $101.32. You know, like you get these weird bills that are like that. Apple's world is, if they say yep. it's twenty nine ninety nine, it's twenty nine ninety nine, And it's not, right. not going to go to silently change to $31.23 right. just so the ESPN can get 5% more. Right. Actually, in Apple's world, it's usually no 99. So it's probably just 29. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I actually had a zero zero, yeah. right? I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I just I just actually went through this with my cable company. I'm desperately trying to get my bill down. I returned my router. I returned the other box, you know, or the modem and then other, another box that we had that we just don't use enough. And you go in the store and they're sort of like, well, if you sign up for the special deal, we can actually knock, you know, $20 off your bill a month for the next six months. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to go through all of that. But then in six months, you're going to raise it again, probably more to than what I'm paying now. You know, they, they do all of these behind the scenes. Frankly, they're scams, really. Um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's a low grade scam, but it's right. definitely a scam. It's a, it's a bait and switch. Right. right. I mean, mostly just like when I read that article, I was like, oh, Apple hates the cable companies as much as we do. Like, you know, like, yeah, they want to work with them, obviously, but. And, they specifically mentioned that they don't want like somebody you know unnamed but said that you know we're not we're not like the, those music guys who Apple you know took advantage of. Um, I just think that they're just not quite where the music guys were like when and and it is very different because when Apple started with iTunes way back last decade, 
it was Mac only and the Mac was very small and there was no, you know, we were years away from, um, uh, the iPhone and any sort of large market share. And there was, um, you know, seem, yeah. seemingly overlooked in their negotiations was even the possibility that Apple might offer iTunes for Windows. Um, right. But also what, you know, what we were, what we didn't have was, it was like a pre-app world, right? Mm -hmm. We listened to music through one service and that was a local service most of the time. And so now we live in a world where we are, you know, and this is kind of, app, you know, obviously Apple's created it, but even on the TV, they've they've really pushed it that the future's apps, right? And so for many of these companies, they already have a solution that works for them, right? CBS or NBC or, uh, I don't know, FX, they make you sign in with your cable information and they've still got this presence there. Now that makes it really hard for cable cutters, of course, but they have a presence on these digital platforms. There seems like less incentive in, you know, than a, when we were in this pre-app world for them to want to join it. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, and the trend is obvious that it, it may take a while, you know, it's, it's just, it, it applies to so many things. There's that great Hemingway quote about a character like, how did you go bankrupt? And it's, you know, uh, slowly, then quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how all of these things take. All these disruptions is slowly, then quickly. And it's right now we're at the point where slowly more and more people are not paying for cable TV in their house. I mean, I, I, I need bet to be one of them. listeners of this show are way off the charts in that direction. You know? Oh, absolutely. Um, people yeah. who read your column are surely way off the charts mm -hmm. in that. In that. Um, and they know I it. Need to, I need to get behind it. I just, there's some things can't live without. Uh, but, we're, yeah. That's how we are. I mean, it's, for me, it's a couple of sporting sports things and for amy it's a couple of shows that she likes that don't have um you know that they're they're not right there's no way to get them otherwise right um but we're close and joan i'll tell you jonas our you know he's 12 years old he he doesn't watch anything on tv except stuff that we make him watch like get down here and watch hillary clinton give this speech mm -hmm. you know he doesn't watch anything on tv if, if Wait, our, he watches youtube yep youtube and and uh facebook or whatever and, oh, and netflix snapchat netflix 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 right if we if we on netflix is just i mean this is the summer of netflix in my opinion i mean yes also them raising rates and issues with their I don't know, financial situations, but just the stuff they're putting out right now is, is great. If our Netflix, like if our credit card that we have on file with them, you know, needed to be renewed because the expiration date was up, Jonas would know within an hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he would get his, his seven or yeah. whatever you pay, $9.99 in dollars in cash and yeah. just say, deal with this dad. Netflix and YouTube. Um, it's, you know, and, and the, they, you know, it, it's a reckoning that is coming for them where it's a, eventually they, you know, the gravy train of everybody pays for cable and everybody, you know, frankly pays too much for cable is going to come to an end. Right. Right. Well, we're going to see some of this play out in the, with the Olympics in a couple of weeks. I mean, they are, you know, NBC subscribers, you need this, your cable information to log into a number of different apps. That's, that's the way they still want to play. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I hope, I, it's, I have not been following along, like, trying all these betas over the summer, but I'm really looking forward to, hopefully, everybody getting on board with the Apple TV with that thing that they announced at WWDC, where you can sign oh, yeah. in. yeah. That's going to be huge. Sign in your cable thing once, and then we will vouch for all of these apps that you are a cable subscriber. I know. There's, like, times where I, like, it, it happened with the FX app. Like, I was, like, put it off, because I was like, I really want to watch something in here, and I just don't remember my cable login. 
um, you know, you like you set up the the rest of your, your other apps on there, and then I'm like, ah, you know, and I spend. I don't. I really probably did spend thirty minutes trying to recover that information and then punching it in. There was one a couple of weeks ago. I think it was HBO, but I might be wrong. But one of them, I was on the Apple TV and and it, it forgot. I'd already done it and it like made me do it again. And it wouldn't work on my phone for some reason. And so I, yeah. I had to actually go upstairs, which is, I mean, that's cruel. Going up a flight of stairs at eleven o'clock at night. It's cruel and unusual. In your slippers? Yes, in my slippers. In your sweaty slippers. Right, in my sweaty slippers to do it at, at the desktop, which seemed ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think something's going on there. But Well, yeah, it, it is certainly an interesting report um, and humorous report. <laughs> uh, let me take a break and thank our first sponsor. It is our good friends at Backblaze. Backblaze offers you unlimited native backup for your Mac and PC. I, I, I don't know what a Windows PC is, but apparently it works on it. No credit card required to start. No risk. You get a free 15-day trial at backblaze.com slash daringfireball. Uh, access to all backed up data. You get it with the, they have an iOS app. What you do is you go to Backblaze, you install a little thing, it installs it on your Mac or your Windows computer. Uh, on the Mac, it is written by former Apple engineers. This is not some kind of crappy Java thing. It's not ugly. It's just a little system preferences thing. It runs in the background and it just automatically backs up everything on your Mac. Everything. Do you have an external like three terabyte hard drive plugged in with like all of your videos and stuff like that? It'll back that up too. There's no limit. It, there is, you think, well, there's got to be a catch like over a terabyte. You have to pay more. Nope. Everything you have in, in your Mac, uh, just goes right up. It's just five bucks a month for each computer. So if you have two computers, then you have to pay five bucks a month for each of them. Sounds fair to me. No limit on the amount of data backed up. They have collectively at Backblaze over 200 petabytes of data that is stored by them. Uh, when you need your data back, you, you can use uh, their app. You can get one file at a time. You can browse their website. It has your everything listed. Download one file. Download a folder. You can get it on iOS or Android. Uh, so it's a great way, not really even just for backup, it's just a great way to access your desktop files from the phone while you're on the go. Or in the case of an emergency, something really goes wrong, you need everything, but it's like, well, what, I got three terabytes of data, I can't just download all this, right? You can just get them uh, and they'll put it all on a USB hard drive and overnight it by FedEx and you'll just have it next tomorrow morning. Ding dong, your doorbell rings and then there's all your data. This is an absolutely great deal. I've been using these guys for years. I would recommend them to you, even if they weren't a sponsor. I cannot say enough. I think you should have some kind of backup right there on your desk, some you know time machine, stuff like that. Definitely have stuff like that. You can't back up too many different places. But an online backup, just to make sure you have something offsite so that if something, you know, if you get robbed or there's water damage or something like that, your roof leaks and gets your desk soaked, um, you're not screwed. Uh, can't tell you how much better I sleep at night knowing that I've got stuff backed up at Backblaze. So go to backblaze.com slash daringfireball. They'll know you came from here. And you get a free 15-day trial. 15 days to try it before you pay a nickel. You love that. You love Backblaze. I, I, really gotta, I, gotta, I need to figure out my whole backup situation, actually. You know what I need to do, and I haven't done it, and it's criminal because I tell people to do it. I need to sign my parents up for Backblaze. I, it, and I'm not, it's, I'm not even going to make it a gift. It's not like I'm going to say, you know, uh, here, happy Father's Day. It's, you know, you got backup. I'm just going to do it next time I'm at their house and just pay for it and just not even tell them. Or you're going to be like the cable companies and then raise the rates in like two years. <laughs> exactly. And start sending my parents a bill. Yeah. <laughs> 
I want to talk to you because I love your opinions on laptops and tablets. What do you Uh-oh. think is going on with Apple's lineup of Macs that have I hope not been something? Have not been updated in. Like, I'm. I'm. I mean, like, I'm eager. Obviously, I love gadgets and I love reviewing things and I love you know helping people get better stuff. But I really care about myself right now, and I have a MacBook Air that, as you know, I you know clung to for many years and I love the MacBook Air, but it's time. It is really time for me to get another computer and this thing is really on its last legs and I need something now. Like I need something in September or October. So the timing really works for me, Apple, uh, to release this new rumored MacBook Pro. Um, Please, please just do it. I feel like, and also don't be bad. Like I, I need it to be good. I feel like like there should be like a crew of volunteers who stands outside Apple stores right now, and when people go in, they say, "What do you want to buy?" And if they say they want to buy like a, a MacBook Air or MacBook Pro, they say, "No, no, no, don't do it." I mean, I'm happy to take that on. I just did that in a very public way for the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it's you know, do not buy an iPhone right now. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I, and for us, like, and listeners of this podcast and many readers, you know, it is obvious, but it really is not obvious to many, many people who ask me every year, when should I buy an iPhone? Should I buy the next iPhone? Should I buy an iPhone right now? I mean, it's the, still the most common question I get being in this industry. And many people, you know, will head out to the store in in August and go buy a new a new phone. And I just don't think, you know, and I, I especially don't think that the the rumors that this next phone won't be a big update is even reason to to say, okay, fine, I can go buy an iPhone right now. It, it just isn't. Um, but yeah, I really, I mean, there's, there's very few Apple products I would let anyone go by right now i mean the only one i would recommend would be the the one port macbook you know which was yeah right updated right. and refreshed right. a couple months ago which is right, right in line but other than but that even then even then i think there's a decision for many people to make like i'm in the situation where um i actually think that macbook it could do it could be my computer i wrote this in the in the hp and macbook review i did a couple weeks ago it could be, but I think there there could be something else that's actually going to meet my needs a little bit better, um, and that's you know a little bit more power, um, and more some more ports. I I can make I could probably make do with the port situation now. I got one of these hyperdrive attachments to the MacBook, and I love it. Um, Wait, what's that? It's a you know it's plugs into the USB C port, and it's got a SD card reader. It's got a two USB ports. It's got it's also got a display port, but really? it doesn't really work. Oh, I think I saw that in a I think I, I think um Dieter Bone was using that at the keynote. Or earlier early, or maybe a competing one. What's it called? The hyperdrive? It's called hyperdrive, I think. It's let's see. And a lot of people actually emailed me about it after. Um it's a pain. I used a, a MacBook Air 11-inch, which I loved. I really did love the size for years, years and years. It was one of my favorite MacBooks I've ever had. Um, but I remember the one time I was at WWDC and I wanted to download all the, the iOS betas and stuff that they had released and the Wi-Fi. There was no way you could possibly it – it was like, you know, this will take 17 days over Wi-Fi. Right. And so they had all these Ethernet uh, uh, things and you could download and it was like super fast ethernet you could download it in like five seconds and of course i forgot to pack my ethernet dongle um yeah eventually i found a friend it's you know it's lucky that i have know lots of people there and i rec- you know found somebody who i knew and i was like hey can i borrow that and 
did. But I just saw somebody, a friend, uh, uh, not a friend, but somebody who I follow on Twitter who was at the Democratic National Convention here in Philly and was like, I need, an, I need a service like Uber that will but will deliver a USB Ethernet adapter to the to the convention. To hall. the convention, right? Because no one has them anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, this thing's called the Hyperdrive USB Type C five in one hub. If anyone's interested, but um, I will put it in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I think that this next MacBook Pro is probably the answer for me. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where it is. My, I mean, it's there. It's got to be coming. I mean, it's been so long. It's It's got to be coming. And it's to me, what's odd is that it didn't come before back to school, but no. it wouldn't really work with, with Apple's timing on the Macs. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation to tell students what to buy right now um, because, you know, this is a computer that should last them for the next four years. And I don't think the MacBook Air is, is – good enough you know it's sure it's it's definitely the lower end option but you know some i don't know i just I, want I, it to be a better I, product i've said a, a few times that my my really biggest regret with my interview with phil schiller and and craig federighi at wwdc was that i didn't bring this up um i really wanted to i almost did and then i lost it just got lost in the flow of the conversation and it didn't seem right to go back to it um and i really regret it because i think it's an important topic and i really would have been interested to hear Schiller's take on it. And the other thing about it is at the time of the interview, so this is like second week of June, the day after WWDC, at, when I was sort of kind of hoping that they'd have a surprise announcement with the new MacBook Pro, that it yeah. was only like a one day old wound in my psyche that they didn't have a new MacBook Pro. I didn't really, I didn't feel at that moment just how weird it was going to feel this summer that the whole summer is going to go by. It was like, it just felt like at that moment in June, the MacBook Pro was a little old, ready for an upgrade. And the addition of this summer, and in particular, with especially with, I think, with, with notebooks, the thing about summer is, like you said, back to school, which right. is a big time to buy notebooks. Um, just how weird that would, it, 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 it feels so much older now. Like, I, I know it's only like six weeks after WWDC right now as we speak. But it feels like it's it it crossed a border from being a little old to being like ridiculously old. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and when you look at what what Apple's done, uh, like on the rest with the rest of the line, it's not there yet. You know, it's there's there's stuff that needs to be flushed out. So I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I, look, I I want to think it's going to be in during the September event. Um, but I think there's a lot to cover in the September event. I don't know. Um, well, when do when do we when do we expect? Um... I I think the September event, but only because or mainly because it's just it has. To, when else would it be? They're not going to have two events, and you know, I, in theory, they could have like a uh, like a boring update to the MacBook Pro that just adds, you know, an updated CPU and GPU or something like that. But if they do that, it, then it just seems ridiculous that they that it took them so long. Like, no, only... I, don't, I don't think that's happened. I think there's something else. I do too. I and it's... I mean, also it's there with Sierra, right? Like, there's some hints right. in Sierra about things that should be improved in the hardware. Yeah. Um. So I maybe then that's the you know the timing. I don't know when Sierra. What do we? Did the fall right? They just right. say fall. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. 
I don't, I don't have any sources or any insight to uh, the Mac line right now. Yeah, the last two years, I think the schedule has roughly been an early September event with the iPhone, new iPhone coming out like the next week and the new iOS coming out at the same time or like a day or two before right. the phones. And then the new version of Mac OS comes out like in, they'll tell you in September, but it, that it'll be out at the end of October or something like that. All right. So maybe there's something in October. Yeah, Because the question is, do they do iPads at this first event, you know, right. the iPhone event? Um and there's been some rumors of new Pro. A new Pro? I mean, I don't understand how that's really going to be updated in a big way. But um, I think there's been some leaks of that. Well, one thing I've – when I've speculated about this on Twitter and other places, people have said, no, there's no way they're going to – you know, mm -hmm. they don't want to share the stage with the iPhone. But the truth is the last few years they've actually always shared the stage with the iPhone. They use the fact that the world's attention is on them mm -hmm. for this announcement. Everybody's iPhone, 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 new iPhone. And they use it, but spend most of the event on other things. Like two years ago, it last was last year was like everything. Yeah, last year was Apple TV and the the and iPad the Pro. Pro, right, and the yeah. pencil and all the all mm -hmm. the third party apps that already you know they they'd given pre release access to the pencil for. Right. Um, yeah, they had the three. You know, at the end of the event, they had the three big demo rooms, which was like. Honestly, like the iPhone was the smallest part of the thing to see. Yeah, like, um, I remember being like, "Oh cr I, crap, I got to go see the iPhone." Um, and but I, yeah, there was that whole big room for the Apple TV, the whole big room for the Pro, and then yeah, iPhone. Yeah, and I always take notes on the time, like it, you know how much you know when when new products come out on stage. And I remember, I I don't think the iPhone took more than twenty or twenty five minutes. It was you mm -hmm. know it was like, "Hey, hello, here's Phil Schiller," and. 20 minutes of here's the new iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, and then the rest of the show was Apple TV and, and uh, iPad Pro. Yeah. So I think that I mean, I think if you look at the hard – I think if I think there's, there's hardware to come in three places in the fall. Um, I think it's iPhone, it's Mac, and I think it's Watch. Um, and I think iPad – the reason I say that is because of the software. Like what we saw at WWC, there were clear hints about hardware improvements that would be that would optimize for the software, or vice versa. Um, I don't feel that way about iPad, but um, you know, I don't know. And uh, you know, like with iPad, there's so many software things that I feel like need to be fixed, and um, or with you know, as it moves to the Pro, and I yeah. feel like we didn't give a sense of that in iOS 10. Um, yeah, and and there have been rumors. Federico Fatici, who's you know the by far and away go-to guy, the guy at Mac Stories, the go-to guy for iPad productivity. I mean, this guy's been like living his life with all these crazy workflows and stuff like that on the iPad. He does all of his work on the iPad. Uh, what he heard was that it's I don't know what they're going to number it, but that it's more or less that the major improvements to iOS with a focus on the iPad Pro. And, and pro users is sort of like an iOS 10.1 type thing that might be like January or February. That's a great that's a great report or rumor because that I mean that that would make more sense. I don't know how much of that though is wishful thinking, like because yeah, right. we all want them to right. like. <laughs> so true. I'm on like uh, whose podcast was I on? Where I was like, I feel like many times Apple rumors are just what people want, like. The Android for I, iMessage for Android rumor. Like, and, and we should talk about that because, you know, yeah. I think both of us sort of were hoping for something like that at WWC. But 
you know, and it was pretty unreliable sourcing on yeah. that, you know, but it's like everyone wanted it. So everyone said, yeah, this is a rumor that, you know, that people wrote it. And I mean, I'm not saying it's it's unreliable. Maybe somebody really did have good sourcing on that. But that felt like one which was like, oh, yes, that's what I want. It was Mac uh, Daily News, which is a weird website that has been around forever. It's, I, I'm almost certain it predates Daring Fireball. I think it's been around since like the late 90s. And it's, I, I, I don't know if he's secret. And I don't even know if it's really he. I don't know. It's like, but he, the, whoever it is who writes it doesn't, never puts a byline on it. So like when I link to that rumor and he doesn't usually have news, it's usually more like he points to things elsewhere. Yeah. He uh, writes, he'll usually link to my stuff. I didn't realize that's where it started. Yeah. He, he, he said, you know, it was his original thing that he heard from a reliable source that Apple's working on uh, iMessage for Android and that it's going to come out at WWDC. And so when I linked to it, I was like, because I always like to put the name of whoever wrote it, like the reporter, you know, I, I don't like to just say the Wall Street Journal says, I like to say, you know, here's the reporter writing for the Wall Street Journal. Right. Because uh, I think that's important. And so for his, I wrote, whoever the hell it is who writes Mac, Mac Daily News. <laughs> right. Um, I have heard. I, I can say I haven't seen it personally, but I have spoken to people at Apple who have seen the mock-ups of iMessage for Android. So I don't know that it exists like that they have like an app that's been made, but there has absolutely been – Talk consideration it. of it yeah mm-hmm. but the guy the- and i think it makes sense and and cook has said and i forget there were two interviews where he said we we are making it a priority to bring service our services to other platforms um i think it was around the music launch or something around then yeah. um um what i heard and this makes total sense and sounds very appley was that it was a series of 10 mock-ups of what iMessage, complete mockups of what iMessage for Android would look like, ranging from like on one would be um, just looks exactly like the iOS version, and 10 is looks as much like pure um, what uh, what's the Google UI uh, theme called? Um, material design. Material design. Uh, uh, as as pure material design as possible with like two through nine being a continuum of how much it looks like that. Um, which is also to me an interesting thing in terms of the difference between Google and Apple where Google stuff on iOS is very popular and, but yet really looks a lot like right. material design and Apple music on Android, I think is actually pretty, you know, uh, on that scale of one to 10, I think is sort of like a, a seven or an eight. It's, it's much more Android like than iOS like to my eyes. Yeah, I I actually can't say I've ever used it. So um. well, I've I've installed it on my little. I've seen the screenshots. <laughs> I've installed <laughs> it and poked around just to see like what the sharing sheet looks like and stuff like that. But anyway, I and here's my argument for it. My argument for putting some credibility on it is like some, when that rumor leaked, a lot of people wrote to me and said, "No way would Apple do this because they sell hardware. They you know it it behooves them to keep iMessage proprietary." But my answer to them is nobody buys an iPhone to get iMessage. It's it's a nice thing to have once you have an iPhone and you're in the Apple ecosystem, but nobody buys it. That's not a selling point. It's just a nice thing you get afterwards. Uh, I think where Apple could make some money on this is if they if they add payments to iMessage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can send you money by Apple Pay over iMessage, then I think it makes all the sense in the world for there to be an Android version. 
Right. I, I do question nobody buys an iPhone because of iMessage. I, I think it is one of the lock-in apps that sort of like I wouldn't consider going to an Android phone mostly because of iMessage. Like there's a fa- – I have a family conversation. I have a friend conversation. All of you know these groups in my life and they're on iMessage. Well, that's a good and, point. And I don't think I can get them all to pick up and go to – WhatsApp or yeah. or Facebook Messenger, but I don't look. I don't think uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about the market of how big that market is for people who feel like iMessage is the reason. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of other great things about an iPhone that is probably what that they is have a it. good point. I actually I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you changed my mind. I changed your mind. <laughs> yeah, you that you've, happened because I, you know what I was I was too focused on the upfront idea of buying an iPhone. Whereas once you have an iPhone and you're used to iMessage, it absolutely is a reason that you'd be a little reluctant to switch. Right? Mm-hmm. So it is it's the lock-in angle that it, more than the upfront angle. Like once you right. have it, you don't want to lose it. Uh, right. I like I just couldn't. I like even when I'm reviewing an Android phone, um I try, you know, I'll put my SIM in um but I'll still keep my iPhone on um Wi-Fi or whatever because I got to I got to get my iMessages and I hear talk you. about my syncing with my Mac, but you know, um, I think that like many times, I think Apple, it's not like Apple doesn't enjoy lock-in features, but I don't think that they prioritize them over other things. And I don't think that, I think whatever lock-in advantages they see with iMessage being iOS only for mobile, um, could easily be overruled by the, the, the money they could make by having uh, Apple pay as a device to device payment method. Mm-hmm. I can yeah, see no, it. I, but there is a trade-off there. There's definitely yeah. a trade-off. I mean, I'm going through right now. It's just like I wish that – I mean, and maybe it will be with the new iMessage in iOS 10. Like Venmo will be easily in, integrated into the um, – what are they called? Message apps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see why Apple doesn't, doesn't do it itself. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like why doesn't it just power through Apple Pay? I, you know, say I want to send $15 to, to Gruber and I, you know – in, inside an iMessage window, I hit my I hit Touch ID and it goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely should. Right, it should just happen. I don't know. I'm I'm writing my column for next week is all about um, the chip card disaster, and so I'm I'm very very into payments right oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> I love payments. I love I, I'm Apple paying everywhere. Um, yeah, it's just great. I I was just talking about this last week on my show with Glenn Fleischman that uh, it it somehow I don't know if it if if it just is coincidence but a whole bunch of places here in Philadelphia have just upgraded their their terminals uh, and put in the chip readers yeah and they <laughs> they all have handwritten stickers yeah yeah <laughs> chip. no chip chip no not chip. working chip doesn't work yet no yep. chip yet don't chip here um. Yeah, I'm like I've spent a lot of time reporting this story. Um, I'm excited about it because it's been such a disaster in New York too. It's been a national disaster. It's a, it's a headache. It's just a. But um, I actually think I'm not going to spoil my column here. But, yeah, but you maybe could I give will. Us, you could give us. I a mean, hand. basically, I think that this will push us all to use our phones. Um, it's actually the best thing that could have ever happened to Apple Pay and to Android Pay because all of the terminals that are being installed. Right have NFC in them. And so it's basically a software upgrade on the point of sale um, people, uh, 
companies have spoken to to enable that for the for the retailers. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting to me is that you don't need to see the Apple Pay logo for Apple Pay to work. It's just like the one that just looks like a little almost looks like a Wi-Fi symbol and it right. it always it always works. There was it one time work, yeah. There was one time last week where it didn't work for me at Starbucks. It gave me it like I, I don't know, I got in mm-hmm. some kind of circle. But then the next day I went back and and it worked again. Uh, yeah. with no Apple Pay logo on the Starbucks one. Right. Yeah. It's weird because Starbucks does support Apple Pay and they never have signs that say we have this there. And that's one of the things I'm writing in this piece is that, you know, set up your phone for Apple Pay and just try it first. I mean, yeah. you're already going to lose a lot of time with the chip. I get it. But, you know, the, it's kind of like the same amount of time to just try it. If it doesn't work, you have your credit card. I, I and it's so funny because Apple Pay. What was it? Two years ago, where it first came out. Yeah, and it, and and Whole Foods had it, and I'd use it there, and I'd get the wow, what was that? You know, yeah. like holy heck, that you know, what are you doing there? And now all of a sudden that it's working at all these other places, I'm getting it all over again. Like people who've never seen Apple Pay, and they're mm-hmm. like, "What did you just do?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's called Apple Pay. You, you like just take a picture of your credit card. You know, go to the wallet app, take a picture of your credit card." Uh, and then you can just go up to places and, and just put your finger on the thing. And they're like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't even know that it's there. Yeah. And um, especially also now that it, you know, it's it's going to probably work more on more and more phones. It's, it's I think it's a, the chip thing has been a disaster, but I think it, there's a silver lining in it. I noticed a, it was a very interesting to me as a, a user experience critic. Um, I bought some shorts at J. Crew. And they had the chip thing, and your shorts put, did no the the terminal. Uh huh. And uh, I put my I put my credit card in for the chip, and then went through the chip process. And when it was done, it was like authorizing. You wait a second, and then when it was done, it made this terrible noise like eh, eh, <laughs> eh. And and on the little terminal, it says, remove card now, remove right, card now. Right. It's in all capital letters. And so somebody decided that to make sure nobody forgets their credit card yeah, in the thing, yeah, right. we better make a scary sound. Yeah. It's the complete opposite of Apple Pay, where when Apple yeah, Pay is confirmed, it's, you get this beautiful. I, I, I sometimes, know. I sometimes. It's so uns- funny. I'm going through the video right now, and I'm trying to collect these sounds. Um, so, like, we're at, we're gonna like we actually have to hold the mic up at the at the register, you know, to get the the sounds. But you're totally right. I know exactly what you're talking about. So with Apple Pay, you get this beautiful ding, and it just mm-hmm. feels like, hey, you just did something cool. You're living in the future. And with the chip, you get like this. Yeah, it it no. sounds like the Star Trek you know, red alert when the Klingons are attacking, like you're about to die. Right. No, the whole, the whole situation is just like who, uh, yeah. I mean, it does feel like taking 15 steps back um, with the whole payment system. It's like, I get it secure, but like I'm having this hugely awkward 10 seconds where I don't really know what to do. And, you know, um, yeah, I've also like, I mean, New York City store clerks are sort of fed up with me because I've been going into stores (laughs) and doing six methods of payment. So, like, I collect all this stuff and I like, I'm like, I'm going to actually need to put this on six separate cards. (laughs) (laughs) I like did it at Trader Joe's, which is like typically the longest lines in New York City. And the woman was like just dying. She's like, this is so cool. Who's going to win next? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I'm payment obsessed, but. uh, I look forward to it. I think that it's it's just so interesting to me that it, it seems like uh, Apple Pay was ahead of its time because it's already here and ready to capitalize on this uh, 
seemingly mass turnover in point of sale terminals that that's happening right now. Yeah, and it's actually it's I've been thinking back on this because you know now being in the industry for almost a decade, you sort of get to to really see those moments when a company does you know as as it usually typically is Apple takes what has been going on and makes it really really seamless. And you know I was thinking back to Google Wallet. You know I I was one of the people who wrote about the first impressions of Google Wallet. And, you know, it was like this hugely clunky thing where you had to hold the phone up to the right thing. You had to launch the app. Um, You know, it only worked on the Nexus. What was it? The Nexus? Might have been just the Nexus, the Samsung Nexus, you know, and it only worked at like one retailer in the country and it just didn't work. Right. And then so, you know, you had a couple of iterations of that. And then you know, then Apple Pay comes out of whatever, it's actually probably like four years later, Apple Pay, you know, requires the fingerprint, it works really well, it launches the thing. And then we have Samsung Pay that basically does the same thing, even better, because it works at more places. And we have uh, Android Pay that also does the same thing. So, you know, it, there's took a little bit of time for us to get here. And there's certainly a uphill battle, as you know, a lot more retailers have to try and support this. But it really does feel like there was this turning point with Apple Pay. Yeah. I really want to see this NFC stuff go elsewhere, too. Like, I, I really want to see the uh, airports switch from those infrared scanners yeah. to uh, to NFC. I hate, I just hate putting my phone down, like, when they want you to, like, let go of your phone and put it on the glass. I don't like to let go of my phone. You know what I mean? Right. Don't yeah. Like I, just let me um, put it near. And I so badly wanted in the uh, the subways and metro cards. It's just, you know, I'm constantly not sure how much money is on my card and you lose the card. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much more potential. And I, th- I mean, I really do think at some point, you know, the phone is, is obviously the wallet, but there's just, you know, in terms of identification as well. All right, let me take another break here and thank our next sponsor. It is our good friends at Igloo igloosoftware.com slash TTS, the talk show, TTS. Uh, Anybody who's worked in a corporate environment knows how painful intranets can be. The content is stale, the interface is ugly, and it doesn't work on your phone. And because of all those things, nobody updates it. Igloo is a modern intranet that you will actually like because it is designed for the user. It is not designed for like a bunch of IT guys. It is designed to be like nice, It gives you the flexibility to get your work done how you want to, where you want to, and on whatever device you want. It scales right down to your phone. It looks great on your giant 5K iMac. Uh, It is truly a modern product for 2016, not for 1997. And it is easy to configure, too. So if you're the point person on your small team and you're the one who's going to set up the Igloo internet, it is easy to do. It's all drag and drop. It's visual. It is logical. It is sensible. It's humane. It is not like you have to get in there and enter, you know, config files or something like that. Nothing like that. Totally modern. Easy for a non-tech person or designer type person to just set up on your own. You can share news. You can organize files, coordinate calendars, manage projects, all in one place. And everything can be social with comments and like buttons. So it's like you can have your own internal private team. Um, internet where you post little micro posts like Twitter, you can collect likes, you get comments, uh, and just really, really easy. Drag and drop for all the configuration. Uh, go to, if you've got a small team, go to igloosoftware.com slash TTS. You'll get a free trial. 
They will know you came from this show and you'll get started in like five minutes. My thanks to Igloo. Uh, a couple other things, and you've been writing about them. You wrote, I thought, a really interesting column on the $50, um, I forget what it's called, the Blue R1 HD, which is kind of a mouthful. That's This is the phone that... It's made by a company called Blue, and Amazon's selling it for fifty bucks. And uh, how much is the one with more storage? Uh, Sixty bucks <laughs> with ads. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like with Apple, it goes up a hundred dollars to get more. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. up ten dollars. I know. It's well, yeah, not a hundred. Sixty dollar, uh, pretty decent Android phone and the biggest catch is that when you the lock screen is full of amazon's uh special offers yeah it is the catch a big one i think that amazon could have some serious success with this i i don't know i don't want to bet on it because i feel like amazon's never really been able to sell phones but i feel like if anything's going to work it's this yeah yeah well i mean I think I think if they had some higher end phones with this model, it could be really interesting. I think in these in these lower end cases, I think certainly there's certain good um, substitution or burner phones in a way. Like you know, if you're you've broken, this is actually the the CEO of Blue told me this that one of their biggest markets is people who break iPhones uh, or Galaxy phones and don't have the money right away to go buy a new one. You know, especially now that people are buying phones outright and might not have insurance, et cetera. Mm. So they buy these phones and sort of hold on to it for a couple months. Um, or, you know, it's used for travel or it's used for kids. Um, so there's sort of like lower end phones uh, in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, I think for, for Amazon, this is sort of makes the most sense. And even I think there I think even even without the ads, I spoke to an analyst, even without the ads, they could probably stand to take to bring down the price and take a hit if they're really loading up with some of their services. Right. Um because when you get the phone, you log in to Amazon and it sort of logs you into all the Amazon apps. So um, you know, music and Alexa and Kindle. Uh, shopping and Kindle, exactly yeah, exactly. Um and it's it's a pretty good experience for for if you're really all in on Amazon. And it's it, it, it seems so much better than the Fire Phone that they tried like two years ago, which really right. was. I mean, hats off to them for trying something new. But it just seems like that whole project went way off in the rails once they started going in the direction of having the the user interface that tilts in 3D as you move the phone. It's like. You know, cool demo, but like ter terrible idea terrible. for actual yeah. usability. And they got they were too close to it to recognize that and actually brought it to market. You know, like, yeah. And they also were cutting off Google services, which right. was just like, what are you? You know, you're, you know, in many ways, Amazon's a perfect complement to Google on the phone, um, but it's not a replacement, right? You know, because for, like for Amazon doesn't Google. offer email, right? Yeah, yeah, or or any like what maps to with would Amazon offer, right. you know, um, calendar, right. It's like with, uh, with the, um, Alexa, what, what, what's my device called when I talk to my Alexa? Echo. Yeah. My echo. Your echo I, yeah. I hate, I, I just want to call it my, my Alexa. My Alexa. Uh, yeah. If you want to get your calendar on there, you, you know, the best, really the only integrated calendar is Google calendar because Amazon yeah. doesn't have a calendar product. Right. And, you know, in terms of Amazon's bottom line and trying to get you to buy things like, 
Google doesn't try us to really get us to buy things other than it's sort of the ads it wants us to get to. I mean, you know, with with Amazon, that is sort of integrated experience of of books and, and, and movies and music. I mean, yes, obviously, Google also has their solution there. But that's it's not the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Google. Hmm. Um yeah, so I mean, it's it's a pretty good experience for for an Amazon user. Um, you know, I I wasn't crazy about the ads on the lock screen. I just think it's a pretty personal thing, and it's I mean, it's funny. You kind of like you know you want to keep looking to see what the next one's going to be. Um, but I feel like that would get a little old. You've got to um, have you've you've got your dog on your lock screen, right? I have my dog on my lock of course, screen, of course. I knew it. And so when you're trying the blue phone, and instead of seeing your your dog, you see an ad for detergent. No. I saw. I was seeing. I was seeing photos of other dogs that are not as cute because I was getting ads for for uh, dog food. Oh, so yeah. They, that's a little. That's a little too on the nose. I know, and they were not cute dogs. So you know, it's yeah. I mean, there but there are other ones too, which I was like, I got one for a few, like a dietary supplement, and it's like, what are you trying to tell me, Amazon? And then one of them was uh, for a typing tutor, and it was like. What, why would I am a great typer? I'm, I'm the best typer I know. Um, <laughs> Just like Donald Trump. Yeah. You actually me. are. I have seen you type. You are. Believe me, I'm a great typer. You're <laughs> Love typing. <laughs> it is true, though. Like, you do take those things personally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fuck you. What are you talking about, Amazon? I don't need to go on a diet. I mean, I probably do, but whatever. I don't, um, need, I don't need Mavis Bacon telling me. Uh, right. But it's it's definitely interesting, and I mean, what's what's really interesting is how cheap that hardware is, and how impressive it it is for the price. You know? I'm I'm impressed that their CEO was so honest with you. You know that this is a phone people buy when they you know you know can't afford to you know they just broke their two year old seven hundred dollar iPhone or Galaxy. Um, yeah, I mean at a fifty dollar price point, but they have phones at one hundred and thirty dollars with with you know probably not great cameras, but certainly good enough for many people and they're selling a lot of those too you know um it's the it's and there's this whole phenomenon happening in android phones the best android phones right now are four hundred dollars they're great this one this new one plus is amazing for the price um you know great camera fingerprint sensors work great good builds good screens um you know you're, when you when you want to go up and you want to get sort of the iPhone equivalent in Android or or a Samsung, that's what you're paying six hundred and fifty dollars for. But look, if you want a good phone and you want to pay four hundred dollars, you're getting an Android phone. Yeah, it's funny. How- I guess you're getting a, a S an SE, right? I mean, S yeah. no, an SE is what is an S, uh, iPhone SE costs four fifty. Yeah, four ninety nine. I forget. Yeah. Maybe three ninety nine. I think it might start, but that is sixteen gigabytes. Yeah. So I always I just pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. I think it's right. like four ninety nine to get like a reasonable wow. amount of memory. Well, that was my scoop of the summer, and that was the my you know the 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 next iPhone will start at thirty two gigabytes. My sources say. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. That is. I hope you're. I really hope you're true. <laughs> I mean, I reported it in that piece right. on um on you know don't upgrade your iPhone right now or don't buy an iPhone right now is sort of hidden in there, but that was that was the best I could dig up on the on the new iPhone. <laughs> I missed that, but that is actually wonderful. I would have bet on that. I have no inside information on that whatsoever, but it's just my gut feeling that it it's just preposterous. If yeah, not. and then I think 
Apple heard that, but I think also the cost of storage is so down that it doesn't affect their bottom line anymore to just give us 32. The yeah. question, and what I couldn't get sources on was sort of the tiers that would be happening after that. Right. Um, obviously, there's these rumors that it will go all the way up to 256, and I, I believe that. Um, so... You I know, do too maybe. because of the camera, in my opinion. It's the yeah, single biggest I, reason is that these cameras, that the, the still images are like, if you have live picture on, uh, yep. they're like 13 megabytes, yeah, I think. Yeah, this or, was my argument in the in my success review last year, um, which was that, you know, two things absolutely need to be improved. And number one was storage or number one was battery life and number two was storage. And it was because the camera got, had gotten better and you want, then we had added 4k, they had added 4k video and we were still stuck with a base of 16. <laughs> yeah, four, 4k video on a 16 gigabyte storage card is it's right. It just does not, it doesn't jibe. And it's, and look, it's not enabled out of the box, but um, um, Apple was marketing that this was this was a 4K capable phone, and they were certainly. I mean, the biggest marketing point was the live photos, which were three times the size of your regular photos. So, yeah. you know, give us the storage, and it sounds like we're going to get the storage. So, I'll, I'll stop complaining. Yeah, I don't know if I'll stop complaining about battery life, but we'll see about that. Yeah, so it's 499 for the 64 gigabyte SE, and it is 399 for the 16 gigabyte SE. All um, right, so yeah. All right, so there's decent, um, a, a decent value in comparison to the four hundred dollar Android yeah. phones on the Apple side. Yeah, uh, I think that's so uh, unbelievable that the blue is just admits that you know, hey, that's what these you know, some of the market for this is people who just need a stopover phone, just pop your SIM in there and get by for a while. Yeah, you know, I actually. <laughs> I might end up buying one because what I usually do is I have this new process, which I wrote about last year, which is that I will sell my iPhone about a month ahead of the new launch to make back a good amount of money on it. And then I'll put that money towards the next iPhone. Um, instead of doing these upgrade plans, this has just worked for me. And I'm lucky enough to have enough phones lying around that I have a phone, a loaner phone for the month of you right. know August or September. Um but, you know, the blue is actually a great option for people who are just like, I know I'm going to get the next iPhone. I want to make, you know, 500, you know, 550, depending on what size phone you have in, you know, sell it at, at the end of August or beginning of August and use the blue phone. Yeah. Um, I also think, and you were saying about how a lot of the, the Android phones, you know, all have good screens, all have good cameras. It's, I've noticed that too. And it's not surprising because I think that the, it's the you know this is the single most competitive market in all of consumer electronics i mean it's everybody has a a, a i just call them phones now but everybody has a smartphone um and it's funny how the the technology the the water finds its own level fairly quickly where just a few years ago i i mean i remember that even the top of the line android phones had the worst color on those oled screens like yeah. it it uh, and for someone picky like me, it was just unbearable. Like the way that like pinks would, I remember the Flickr logo, it, it would like sear your retina because of that pink on the Flickr logo. Cause right. it, it like hit the sweet spot of OLED where it just like went off the charts in terms of being like super saturated. Yeah. That used to be Samsung's huge problem with yeah. those screens. And, and it really made, you know, like you could design around it in the user interface, 
by picking colors that look good on OLED. But like for photography, it was it was just dreadful because things it's, it looked like you applied like a weird Instagram filter and <laughs> your photo. It was just like, oh, that's just your picture. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's 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 over. That is it's like I, I haven't seen a, a even medium to high level Android phone that has weird color issues. I'm sure that you can, you know, that the experts, you know, you can look at them and see fine differences. But like just like to the just the basic eye the eyeball test of looking at it, they all look good. Yeah. I mean, and the, the Samsung phone is just is is beautiful now. The, the screen is beautiful. Yeah, and I think that the cameras are all decent. I think I still think that the iPhone has a pretty, you know, a noticeable advantage. Um, maybe not over the, the highest end, get the new Galaxy, which is yeah, really definitely seems to have not. a good camera. But that's a mm-hmm. new, that's brand new phone. But over like the mid mid market Android phones, but even there, the cameras are really good compared to even like standalone point and shoots from a few years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean the 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 camera on that blue, that $50 blue was horrendous. I mean like horrendous. When you go up even to a $200 Android phone, Huawei makes a really good $200 phone yeah. with I think it's like a 13 megapixel camera, who knows what kind of sensor, but um that is a that's like, you know, certainly passable for many people. Um but yeah, the $400 phones certainly don't take as good as shots as the S the the S7 or the right. iPhone, but yeah, right. they're they're good. Uh, let me take one break before we we wrap up the show uh, and thank our third and final sponsor of the show and another one of our longtime good friends, longtime sponsor of the show, Fracture. Fracture is a photo decor company. They're out to rescue your favorite images. We're just talking about photos right here on the show. What do you do with them once you have them on your phone? Take your favorite ones and get them printed out. Fracture is a place where you they you send them your photos. They print them directly onto glass, and they add laser-cut rigid backing, so they're ready to display right out of the box. You give them your photos. You pick the sizes. A uh, couple days later, you get them back in the mail, and you just open them up, and they're ready to hang up. Uh, they even include the wall anchor. If you get the smaller ones, they, they have a little built-in thing. You prop them up on your desk. Edge to edge, no frame necessary. You don't need to put them in a frame. They don't have a frame. They're just a piece of glass that you just hang up edge to edge, and it is amazing. Um, I can assure you, like people who haven't heard of it, you hang them up on your wall. When people come in your house, they're going to be like, how did you do that? Because they've never seen anything like it. Because when you print photos the traditional way on paper and then put them behind glass, you have to have a frame behind it. You, you get this edge to edge effect that looks, it almost looks futuristic. It is amazing. Uh, all of their pictures that you buy from Fracture come with a 60-day, they call it a happiness guarantee. So you're sure to love your order. If you're not happy with the way your image is coming, you get them. You have 60 days, you get all your money back. Each Fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials in their carbon neutral factory. For more information and 10% off your first order, visit FractureMe.com slash podcast. <laughs> FractureMe.com slash podcast. Uh, <laughs> it says here in bold print, note the URL ends in quote podcast, not the name of your podcast, <laughs> which I love. I don't know why they're switching to this method. But then what they want you to do when you place your order is they're going to have you take a consumer survey. And their survey <laughs> has one question. And the question is, where did you hear a fracture? And that's where you'll tell them you heard it here. Uh, it helps. It help, does help support the show. So go to fracture me dot com slash podcast and get all your vacation photos from this summer and print it out. All right. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and then you can bring up anything else you want with our remaining time is I want to talk to you about this whole windows 10 upgrade thing, because this is like, 
I'm vaguely aware of it, but my weird, like, I don't use any Windows stuff uh, means that I'm not really aware of it. Can you explain this to me? Sure. Um, okay, you ready for the, for the deep explanation? Yes. Um, okay, so it's actually pretty complicated, and I said in that piece that, like, it's, you know, these, I don't understand why Microsoft didn't just do these updates in one fell swoop. But um, so last year, a year ago today, Yep, right. A year ago today, Apple, re- uh, Apple, uh, Microsoft released Windows 10 as a free update for Windows 8 and Windows 7 users. Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 8.1 users. So you've and, been and able. I'll, and I'll just point out for those who don't remember, they skipped Windows 9. They did skip Windows 9. That's right. Right. Um, and so for the last year, you've been able to upgrade for free. But today, well, tonight at 11. PM Hawaii time, which is the most random time zone ever, <laughs> you will no longer be able to upgrade for free. So that is what today is. Is everyone with me? All right. Then on August 2nd, which is next Monday? Monday? Or next wrong? Tuesday. Tuesday. The anniversary update goes out. So people who have had Windows 10 for the last year or the last couple months will get this push about download Windows 10 anniversary update. And that update adds very few new features, some good stability uh, fixes in uh, Microsoft Edge browser, which is kind of a big deal because it's like what most people use on their on their computers. Um, it has extensions now. Uh, there's a lot of new stylus tricks that they have, which are actually pretty cool. Um, Cortana does some more things. Uh, it's you know it's small. It's sort of like a um, you know the equivalent of a El Capitan release mm. for for um, for Apple, right? A year right. a year in. Um, but yeah, it's kind of confusing, right? One day was the end of the um, free updates for all for all users, and then next week is this. And then if you were one of the people who just updated right now, like today to Windows 10, you won't actually get that anniversary update for a month or so. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty staggered. Uh, Why least, would they do this? I think – well, the answer I got was basically it was two separate teams. It was timing of two separate teams. Um yeah, yeah. I why is there like an accounting angle, like where where for accounting purposes they can't just continue to give Windows Ten to other people for free? No, I mean I think that was just like a. I think that was a, an offer, and that was a uh, marketing push. You know, it, it was a marketing push. I think um, they're still in the I business of selling have Windows. No idea, right. right? They're still in the business of selling Windows, but they are. You know, there's definitely hints that Windows as a service or a subscription could be something that happens um i certainly think they're they're setting up for that um but i don't know and i don't know um yeah i just don't know what they're really sort of thinking in terms of of um and it does seem to me uh, you know as somebody who casually looks at all these big companies quarterly reports when they come out just to keep an eye on you know who's doing well and whatever it really does seem to me that under Satya Nadella Microsoft is very successfully weaning itself or maybe has already weaned itself away from being the company that sells Windows and Office that they yeah. have serious significant 
you know, same scale, you know, the company is as big as it was and as, as revenue that, you know, on these services that make up for it, that they could definitely, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem foolish. You know, 10 years ago, it would have been ridiculous to say that they should just make Windows free. Right. But it seems now it seems like, well, as a front end to these services that they're selling, you know, and to do it on a subscription model, it doesn't seem silly at all. Right. Well, I, they want to obviously be a services company. And I think, you know, as they move into more of these, uh, you know, sort of uh, AI or, you know, the Cortanas of the world and the other types of services they're trying to build into the operating system, um, you know, the more we come to lean on those types of things and the more we we sort of want to pay or we may we may use Microsoft services across our devices, um, you know, especially on the iPhone. Apple's done a, a, a Microsoft's done a really good job with some of those iPhone apps. Um, you know, maybe there's a chance they think, you know, you buy a you know, you sort of lumped in with your Office 365 subscription and you get all of this other stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know. What about this whole thing where too many people are obviously getting like, surprise, your computer's been updated to Windows 10? Yeah, it's hugely a huge problem. So like my understanding is that they have configured default settings or made it so that if you just click through setup, like maybe like two years ago or whenever, when you got your Windows 8 computer, that it's all set up so that at some point overnight, it's going to update itself to Windows 10, which is a major update. Yeah. And people are very upset about this. People are really upset about one in one. I think what happened was, and I've gotten... I've in general, I've never gotten so many reader e angry reader emails uh, hmm. as I have gotten this week. It's not about what I'm about to talk about, but it is about huge customer service problems that Microsoft seems to have on this. Um, and you really want to talk about Microsoft needing to control the hardware and software experience is I mean, I see it in every single one of these emails, which I wish I could respond to. So I'm sure none of these listeners are actually the people who have emailed me. They're 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 quite old, I can tell from the fonts and the uh, signatures that I get in these emails. But um, they're just infuriated that, you know, they updated and their printer doesn't work. They updated and the driver for the, the graphics driver doesn't work. Um you know, there I, I and I have not had these problems. I upgraded three old laptops in the last two weeks when I was writing that piece. I actually think Windows Seven is Windows Ten is really stable, and I really like using it. There's a lot of similarities to uh, the Mac when it comes to handling your your apps and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I think it's a huge customer service problem. But the issue on the upgrade, what happened was there was a pop up. Like I turned on these old computers, and I had tons of Windows ten upgrade pop ups. And my whole video is basically <laughs> the pop up interrupting my sentence because it I could like I would launch these, and it was like every five minutes, you know, it would say, "Oh, did you know Windows ten is up? Your upgrades are expiring?" And it's like I freaking told you to go away. Um, but what happened was was one of those pop ups. I guess you know. You don't read it very closely. And so one of them said, you know, your computer will upgrade to Windows 10 tonight if, you know, at this scheduled time. And, you know, if you have a problem with that, you know, kick cancel or whatever. And people didn't hit those. They hit the red X. Right. And the, it ended up just – it didn't end up overriding the, the pop-up or whatever the command was to start upgrading. And that's – what happened? Right. And it's, so lots so of people just were like, my computer upgraded overnight and I told them no. And it's one of those things that's always bugged me about Windows as a UI n nerd and critic is the way that they often have those windows where there's both like uh, 
okay, cancel and a red X. Right, right. And it's like, I think it is, if you're, A, that's a bad design. It's a really bad design. But if you're going to do that, it is very natural to think as a, just a normal person who doesn't think about the UI, just, you know, reacts to it, that the red X means do nothing, that it's like cancel. Right. That that should not, hitting the red X to close the window should not mean, okay, go ahead and do this super significant, almost risky thing. <laughs> right. And actually, it, the pop-up that I put in the in the article I wrote this week, it says, you know, sorry to interrupt, but this is important. Windows 10 uh, free upgrade offer will end July 29th, right? It's this big text, right? And then underneath, it says upgrade now within a box or remind, le- remind me later in a box. And... <laughs> That's all. Those are the main options, right? But then in the bottom left-hand corner, and I'll, I'll send you this link, it says, do not notify me again in a similar purple to the purple pop-up. So it's almost like so hard to see that it's like it, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it, right? Like if you get this pop-up, you just want it to go away, you either hit the X or you hit remind me later, right? Because you don't have any other option. Is this um, in, in your survival guide to perpetual windows? Yeah, yeah. Right. This, I've already the, got that link. I've got the link purple, in the You see that purple, you know? The, and it's crazy. It's just like that's not fair to people. But And no. then, you know, what I couldn't get and, – and I think this is something that happens. It's happening and I, I think this is actually a separate piece. It's happening to every – all of our operating systems. I talk about it in this piece. But, you know, Android, iOS, it doesn't matter, Mac, Windows – these companies want to get you on their newest operating system. They want to do it for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, in, in Microsoft's case, it's actually a little bit unclear. Obviously, they would love everyone to be on it. I think there there is some, some data mining going on that I think really does benefit uh, Microsoft. Um, in the cases of Apple, it always seems like it's security and it seems like a bragging right that they get to say everyone is on this latest operating system, but certainly security and features – play pretty high on the top of the list of of why they want people on the new software. Yeah. Unless there's something else I'm missing. I mean, what what is the other main reason these companies want us on their latest software? Uh, no, I think you hit them. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, security is one. I think new features that they want people to have access to are another. You know, I know with, with iOS, uh, macOS to a lesser degree, I think, but with iOS, I know that there are, and I've written about it many times, there's often complaints from people with like three-year-old iPhones right, who right. find that their experience degrades after they go ahead and do what is obviously what Apple wants you to do is. And, and I think that they've changed it. I don't think that it automatically updates, but they've made it even more aggressive, I think, starting last year in terms of Yeah, it won't, it won't automatically, it. but it will say, it's. I think there's the same options, upgrade now or remind me later and... Um, you know, there's oh, the... I think what they've changed. I I know it. I know what they've done is that they've changed it where it's like upgrade now, and like the next schedule button, it. Yeah, the next yeah. button, which makes you think like it's maybe like nah, don't do it. Really means I'm gonna do it when you plug me in over right. I'm gonna schedule it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, and it's a you know, it's nowhere near as sneaky as I think what Microsoft is doing. But you could argue that it's it's not bad UI design. It's sort of sneaky yeah. ui design mm-hmm. right um it's definitely the case that the security issues are real though like oh uh, yeah for sure uh i was talking on this show last week with glenn fleischman about these these bugs that were fixed in this uh these image format things where you know the, all these bugs were discovered where the the way that you, you could send somebody an iMessage with a maliciously designed image 
and just by looking at the iMessage, you you know you could be exploited. And they fixed it, but they've only fixed it in the very latest versions of iOS and macOS 10. And uh, at least to my knowledge, they haven't done like so. If you're on like you know uh, Yosemite still, you 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 know you don't have a fix for this yet. So the only way to get these fixes is to stay like totally up to date. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which yeah, I mean. That's certainly the the right incentive to also tell users because that's that's scary. That's yeah. you know you don't want to be put at the put at blame for that. Um, yeah. Anything else that you wanted to talk about this week, Joanna? Uh, so many things to talk about. I don't know. Uh, only if there's only one more thing I'd pick your brain about is um, I looking at everybody's results. Some strong quarters from lots of people. Facebook and and Google both did really well. Online advertising. Twitter, not so good. Um, And I I don't know. I'm not a business expert. I could be totally wrong. I have a gut feeling like Twitter is not long for this world as an independent company. I think somebody is going to acquire them. And my question is who? That's a good question. If Verizon bought Yahoo, why not Verizon? I think Verizon's got all this money and they want content. Right. I don't know. I'm not saying it'd be a good idea. I'm not saying that Verizon would be good or bad as a parent, but I could see them being interested in it. I could see that too, also just for the sort of TV integration too. Yeah, Comcast and, and Comcast is is would be another one that I would think might because they have more money than they know what to do with and are sort of looking to own content. Right. Right. Just a gut feeling. I want to be. I want to be able to say I was right when Twitter ends up being acquired sometime in the near future. No, I think I think that's a yeah. I don't know where 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 it makes sense. I don't know. I don't know that makes sense is the right way to think about it because I don't think it makes any sense for Verizon to buy Yahoo's web right. project, but they did it. You know, I think that's maybe that's what I've the it's the Yahoo thing that put put it in my head too, where Verizon buying Yahoo doesn't make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then I realized like so stop thinking of who would make sense for to buy Twitter and just think who would do it. Hmm. And that's what made me think, like, Comcast or Verizon or somebody like that. Right. Well, yeah. Any- I mean, I think that the when you think of Twitter as, like, you know, I said a couple of months ago in a piece I wrote, you know, Twitter really isn't a social network. It's a it's a media site. Yep. yep. Um, and they don't, they don't know it themselves. They don't know it, no. But they're starting to get into it a little bit more. I think also the focus on Periscope. There's been a lot of updates to Periscope, which is – it's a sad thing because now everyone's not using Facebook Live and it's gotten tons of buzz this summer. And, you know, this was an opportunity. Twitter really could have been a head out on that and they weren't. Yeah. And it seemed like just in the last two weeks, as a political junkie watching the, the two conventions, it seemed like whenever they were talking about people streaming stuff from their phones, it was always it was just Facebook Live was what it was almost like, you know, and like in Chelsea Clinton's speech last night when she was talking about her grandkids talking to uh, Hillary Clinton, she just said FaceTime, you know, like FaceTime is right, the thing right, right, when, right. You, when you talk. That's just what people say. And uh, for this like broadcasting, I'm here and I'm going to broadcast to people on a social yeah. network, it's Facebook Live. Definitely. I, and I like Periscope and I hope Periscope, you know, continues to thrive, but it seems like Facebook Live just swooped in and ate their lunch. Right, right. I mean, because people are there and also Periscope, really not till like a couple of months ago was really sort of integrated in the Twitter experience, right? I mean, it sort of like was like, we own this thing and you can get your Twitter followers integrated here. But like, you know, watching one of those through the Twitter apps and stuff was not a, 
was not a thing, and now they've worked on that integration more. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That was that was my last thing. Uh, Joanna Stern, thank you so much for your time. Always I want to ask you one you question. Show. I've been thinking about right. the, the Apple Watch a lot lately because I finally I, – I'm going to – I took mine off for a couple of months. I just did not find it – useful uh for for things that mostly i use the apple watch to tell the time and when i was working out and it's sort of like i just got tired of working out with it on it just it lost its its relevance to me um what do you think you think there's going to be a new one in in the fall you know what that's an excellent i it's like everybody's saying iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. What's you know? It's going to look like the old iPhone. It's going to have a new camera. It's going to be thinner. It's going to be lighter. It's going to be way faster. You know, blah blah blah. No iPhone, headphone. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Yeah, no headphone. All this, you know, pages and pages. And nobody's talking about Apple Watch. I think that they're definitely going to do a new Apple Watch in September. I have I no, only, I really no only inside think information that, about this at all. Right, and we've heard no leaks, which is interesting. Right. But I only think that because of Watch OS three. And so as I'm wearing this watch again. You know, I kind of keep thinking in the back of my head. I have I don't have OS three on here, but I keep thinking this thing's going to be so much better with when yep. I have Watch OS three on here. And then I sort of keep thinking, well, what what would the hardware improvements be that would make that even better? Uh, and I I happen to think they all a lot of them are fitness related because um, yep. that was the real focus at WWDC. Yeah. I think fitness related. I think that they've realized, you know, with once it's out in the real world, that the fitness stuff is off the charts popular. Yep. So, and it seems like there could be design considerations to emphasize that more. And I think now that they've rethought the way that the the two buttons work, the crown right. and the button. That's right. That's right. They've, they've rethought the way they work in the OS. I think for the better, even on the old watch, the existing watch that we know. But if they're rethought them like that in the software, why not? I don't know what they would do. I, I don't know, but it's something to make them even more apt to the new purpose in the OS. Totally, totally. And That's I think a, that, and I think the thing could be thinner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and the I, battery life possibly a little bit better, but uh, you know, I don't. I know. find it crazy that there's no speculation about it. I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that, like, somehow in the supply chain, they've got a new. You know, they're doing it in a way that actually can hold the secret in a way that the iPhone supply chain obviously can't. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, if it doesn't leak through the supply chain, it just doesn't percolate out to our speculation. But it seems crazy to me that there's not more speculation right now at, at the beginning of August, end of July, about a device that I think we're going to hear about in like six weeks. Right. Maybe it doesn't ship then. No. I Just like they did. Uh, but, right. But this year they would have to ship before Christmas, right? Right, like which they is couldn't October. Do it. They, November. Right. Yeah, November. Yeah, they could ship as late as like early November, I think. But uh, – that I, I that's all, and I I would expect that I would expect that the iPhone ships in September, but that if right. they do announce a new watch, it'll be like a October thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm you know I feel like that's one of the big you know hopefully we'll be surprised when we uh, go out there in September to hear about this stuff. But I I'm with you. I think that they're going to do it, and the fact that there's no rumors about it, I think it's just sort of. Uh, I don't know what it is. I I guess. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is, you know, they're just heading to Christmas selling the same watch they've been selling for two right. years. But it seems crazy to me. that And, a, and it costs like $100. Right. I yeah. mean, it cost 200 bucks last year, right? Like yeah. the, the one offered at Target. I mean, and that's the one I see. That's I see that one a lot. I see women wearing the rose gold one that was offered on cheaper at Target hmm. and Walmart than most most of them. Huh. I see a yeah. lot of women wearing them. I see more and more. I see an awful lot of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, New York workout scene. 
yeah. these Apple Watches. And there's Fitbits. There's Fitbits. But, um, I mean, yeah, man, that's like one of the things I'm also really excited about, which is the competition stuff that's, uh, you know, you can compare yes. to others. I'm excited about that in WatchOS 3. Yeah. So I definitely think that that is, I think it's just overwhelmed by the speculation about the new iPhone, whatever they're going to call it. Right. And I, th- I definitely think it's coming and I think it'll be really, really interesting because I feel like the iPhone is at a point where it's almost 10 years old and they're, it's not surprising to me that the new iPhone is supposedly so similar to the success because they've had so many times to iterate it that they're, they've sort of achieved the the platonic ideal of the form factor at least in their mind whereas the watch they've only done one and it's like think back to like the early years of the iphone and how how quickly they you know went from the original to those plastic 3gs to the 4s or the 4 and 4s you know they made significant improvements and changes to the form factor in just a few years and i feel like they could do the same with the watch right right uh, and last but not least, if we're going to talk about that, I do believe, because I know people will ask, I believe that if they do have a new watch, that it will remain strap compatible with the existing watch straps. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's why that's why I put this new watch on. I actually found this band. Um, it's like the, it was the, the new felt band. What is it? Uh, what do they call these? The... Oh, I forget what that's called. And I really like it. And like, I really, it, you know, it kind of like, and I, you know, the, the whole band thing, it's really, it's so smart. I mean, wait, it really. Do you mean the, ni- the nylon one? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's the not felt. It's like a. Braided nylon. Fabric. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it feels like a new watch to me. Yeah. That's my favorite too, especially for wearing it to like exercise. You don't like to wear it when you exercise or you do? No, I do. Uh, and I like, but I, I have the one with the, the metal um, uh, uh, link band. Mm-hmm. You know, which yeah. is more like a serious dress band, and it just all it just feels really weird to me to go out. Yeah, running you can't work that out with watch. that. Yeah, right. You can't. It just feels too heavy, and it just feels weird when you sweat on it. And whereas this nylon fabric feels like it's uh, almost like an athletic material. Yeah, yeah. My problem with it is that it like unlike the sport band, it like can't get it that tight around my wrist. Um, so the heart rate monitor doesn't work as well mm-hmm. if it's not snug, like really snug. Um, but yeah, it looks really nice. Uh, that's it for me. Joanna Stern of the Wall Street Journal, I thank you for your time. I want to thank our three sponsors, uh, Fracture, where you go get your pictures taken. Go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Uh, Backblaze, the best online backup solution for your Mac. Go to Backblaze.com slash Daring Fireball. And last but not least, Igloo, igloosoftware.com slash TTS, the best intranet. Thank you, Joanna.